Did you know that over 60,000 new tracks are uploaded to Spotify every single day? That's a new track every 1.4 seconds, and that's just on one platform. With so much music now available, it's more important than ever to stand out from the crowd. So it's not surprising that more artists are starting to use less conventional sonic textures in their music, like field recordings. Perhaps you've always wanted to infuse the sounds of nature or your favourite city into your own tracks, but not having the right gear or knowledge might have held you back. Well, if that's the case, you're going to love the brand new guide I just created, teaching you how to start field recording with just a smartphone. And it's all yours for free at femalediymusician.com forward slash learn with Isabel. Yep, you really do just need a humble smartphone and some minimal extra gear that doesn't have to break the bank to get started with field recording. And I've laid it all out in this handy five-point checklist. So download it for free at femalediymusician.com forward slash learn with Isabel and elevate your music to the next level. Hey, Knob Twiddlers. I'm thrilled to share that season three of the Girls Twiddling Knobs podcast is sponsored by the lovely folks at Isotope. Now, Isotope design award-winning audio plugins, and I'm actually using some of the fabulous tools inside their RX9 software to get my voice sounding crystal clear inside today's episode. And when you use the code GIRLSPOD10, you'll get 10% off any plugin purchase on their site, excluding subscriptions and a whole free month of their amazing Music Production Suite Pro instead of the standard seven-day trial. Just go to isotope.com forward slash girlspod to find out more. There is no one type of music producer and there's no magic goalpost you'll cross that will finally help you know it's time to call yourself a music producer. In effect, you become a music producer when you call yourself a music producer. Hello and welcome to Girls Twiddling Knobs. My name's Isabel, and over the last decade, my self-produced and self-released music has amassed over 25 million Spotify streams. I also have a PhD in sonic arts, but I wasn't always this confident with music tech. In fact, I still hear those self-doubt gremlins in my head from time to time. I started this podcast to help more female-identifying musicians start recording and producing their music and learn from other women making music with technology. If that's your cup of tea, then you're in the right place, my friend. Let's dive in. Well, hello, Knob Twiddlers. Welcome back to the podcast where, once again, it's time to dive into some hefty feminist music tech musings. And today, we're asking what a music producer is. I mean, what do they do? Or maybe, most importantly, when have we earned the right to call ourselves one? I wanted to dedicate an episode to this topic because it's something I know so many female musicians grapple with, even if they've actually been making and producing music for a long time. Surely there's some way we know for sure we've graduated from music tech dabbler to full-blown producer. Surely there's a level we reach when we can proudly wear the badge of music producer without fear of being questioned or judged. Well, not really, and I think this is one important contributing factor as to why so few women are represented in this profession. 
Many women are conditioned to think we're not good enough yet to call ourselves music producers, when in reality, that magic moment is just never going to come. It's something we have to own first ourselves. But I know that's easier said than done, which is why in today's episode, we're diving into what being a music producer actually entails, and why so many women might struggle to adopt the term themselves. We're going to draw from female music producers, including past podcast guest Bishy, my own experience and one of the most respected producers ever, Brian Eno, to expand the term. And we'll also lock in some strategies to get more comfortable using the term and applying it to our own unique approach to making music. Sound good? Okay, let's dive in. Well, perhaps one of the reasons women can find it hard to identify with the term producer is because the definition is so slippery and ungraspable. There are so many different ideas of what a producer is and is not, including the essential skills you might need in order to do the job. Some people see it as a primarily technical role, while others see it as being predominantly visionary and creative, while others still define people skills and project management as being more important than anything else. Turn to Google and there's a similarly confusing range of definitions. For example, Berkeley, which is one of the world's leading music colleges, states that a music producer is someone who assists an artist with their recording project, bringing their vision to fruition and guiding their sound along the way. They add that what a producer creates cannot be seen. What a producer creates is not even an object. If you zoom all the way out, what a music producer does for a living is this, vibrate air molecules in such a way that when the air molecules bump up against a human life form, that life form feels something. Now, for many people, this definition might feel pretty abstract. You may be thinking, yeah, but how does a producer help an artist bring their vision to fruition? And how much of that vision is also the music producer's? And furthermore, how granular does a producer get when it comes to vibrating those air molecules? Are they involved in every single step of that process? Is it just directed by them overall and someone else gets their grubby mitts on those air molecules? The careers organisation Prospects offers a more general definition stating that music producers work with artists and groups in the studio, helping them to realise their full potential in creating recorded music. But again... There's still a lot of ambiguity here as to what that actually entails and how much the producer is involved in all the different stages and aspects of that process. Perhaps one of the problems is that the term music producer has become much more open in modern times due to such massive advancements in technology. It's easier to realise an artist's vision, including our own, with just a few tools you can get now with a couple of taps on your phone. With this in mind, the blog Renegade Producer states that the traditional music industry's definition of a music producer was an individual hired by a record company to plan, direct and execute the production of a recorded music track or album. Whereas nowadays, the term can be thought to describe any person who is able to produce viable music, with the term viable music meaning quality music people want to listen to, in a format they can easily share. But again, even this contemporary definition offered here is still pretty vague. Viable music could mean many things, and whether people want to listen to it or are able to share it 
will vary hugely depending on many factors. With all these different takes on what a producer is, it's easy to see why a demographic who may already have been marginalised and sidelined in recording and production, i.e. women, might find it hard to know if and when they can legitimately call themselves a producer. But I would argue that when you start looking at the role of a music producer in contrast to that of an engineer, it does become a little easier to define. For example, rather than shaping the creative vision of a record, engineers instead work with the mechanical and technical aspects of recording, mixing and reproduction. While producers frequently have experience as performers and composers, engineers often hone their skills in the role of audio technician. This includes skills like setting up mics, tracking issues with audio equipment and recording different instrumental sections. Engineers are also often involved in mixing and editing the final track list with the producer inside a digital audio workstation too. This means engineers will benefit from having a meticulous attention to detail and particularly granular approach to making and recording music and will love getting stuck into the nitty-gritty of creating a recording. Now, I'm willing to bet, dear listener, that many people, including yourself, will have listened to that definition of an audio engineer and be thinking but I thought that's what a music producer did. And the reality is that many producers can and do do some or all of those things, but they're actually not the defining skills of a music producer. And it makes sense because if you're trying to make a record come together with all the creative, interpersonal and practical challenges that entails, wouldn't it be good to have a different person focusing solely on all those technical details? In contrast to an engineer, a music producer operates much like a project manager. They're tasked with coordinating every aspect of the recording project and managing all the individuals involved. This includes directing the performers in achieving a particular sound for the record and may determine its arrangement too. In addition, because they're so deeply involved in forming the sound of the record, they may at times jump on to play an instrument to supplement the band's sound, and will therefore tend to be accomplished musicians in their own right, and will be able to communicate with and coach musicians on their own terms. A producer needs to have a confidence in their own ideas and be able to express them forthrightly, but they also need to be a people person. A traditional industry music producer will often have to work with a variety of different artists, and sometimes also industry professionals like managers and A&R execs too. Therefore, to be a successful producer, you'll need to be able to adapt to other people's particular ways of working. Legendary house and dance producer Mark Kinchin has some advice in this regard when he says, People skills are also very important, often as important as the music you make. When you work with people like Will Smith or Jay-Z, you must be able to relate to them and make them feel comfortable. Now, you may not be working with people as high profile as Jay-Z and Will Smith, But to work effectively as a producer, in general, you need to be able to read the room and respond to other people's needs and energy. It's worth noting that, with advancements in music technology, the lines between engineer and producer are often not as clean-cut as I've just described. Especially in smaller studios and when artists record and produce themselves, in these contexts having a separate engineer and producer is not always possible or needed. Technology has become much more intuitive and therefore less of a block to the creative process, especially if you're only working with a small-scale setup. 
But I think being clear on the difference between these more traditional roles of producer and engineer can really help us know if and when it's time to own the term music producer. In fact, I'm willing to bet that many people listening to this already perform many of the music producer roles I listed before in their own music. Maybe this has already happened in recording studio sessions where you've been labelled as just the artist. Because at the end of the day, you've been the one who's made sure the recordings have come together to your specific vision while responding to the needs of the people you're collaborating with. Whether or not you set up the mics or adjust the parameters on the EQ is not as much of a defining feature for owning this title. Now, as I said before, in my experience, so many women shy away from owning the title of music producer precisely because they haven't controlled every single technical detail. Too often, female musicians will convince themselves that unless they know everything there is to know about the technical process of recording music, they're not allowed yet to be called a music producer. One past episode of the podcast that touches on this is when I chatted with musician and producer Bishy. Inside, she shares how she'd never thought of herself as a music producer until the legendary producer Tony Visconti told her that she had been operating as one the whole time they were working together. I've linked to that episode in the show notes and it's well worth a listen, so definitely check it out. And exactly the same thing happened to me too. It wasn't till I was making my third album in my garden and recording my own music in a studio for the first time that the engineer and producer I was working with, Paul Pascoe, told me not to credit him as producer because that had been my role. I just had no framework in my mind to place a 27-year-old female musician like myself in that role unless I knew 20 times more than most producers out there. I mean, how dare I call myself a producer unless I could prove in absolutely every situation imaginable, every genre, every studio, every musician, that I knew everything there was to know. And research backs up Bishy and I's experiences. In 2018, there was a study by the University of Southern California that found that only 2% of music producers are women. This may be because women find the male-dominated studio environment unappealing. However, I think it's also likely that women find it difficult to define themselves as music producers altogether. The amazing artist Holly Herndon believes that this may be due to the music industry being relatively conservative still. She says it's quite transparent how little the music industry formula has changed since the advent of the internet. It's like they are in permanent austerity mode and so play it safe. Our biggest barrier is our infatuation with these old archetypes and a lack of insistence on establishing new ones that reflect a culture we would like to live in. And I think this is a really important observation of Herndon's because how we make music has changed so much over the last couple of decades. And something that's wonderful to come out of that is that it's now so much more possible to self-produce. In fact, it's pretty essential to at least have the choice to do this now, as otherwise it's likely you'll be falling behind your contemporaries waiting to get your music produced by someone else when your musical peers are all just getting their music out there. But the industry can find this a bit scary because it means that the old hierarchies and systems that have been static for decades before become vulnerable to change and even obsolete. 
The excellent electronic musician Asma Marouf believes that it's the boys' club mentality of the music industry that leads to women not self-identifying as music producers, stating that the setup for ages has been female performers and male producers, and I think people simply get used to this arrangement. Rather like how I described my own experience, many women just find it hard to equate their gender to the role of music producer. If we don't see women in these roles in studios, the media and our own musical networks, it's not surprising we might find it hard to adopt the title of producer ourselves. DJ and producer Annie Luno believes that having more visible female producers will increase the number of young girls who aspire to be music producers. She says, engineering and producing is a scary thing to start and a very difficult thing to stick with and excel at. A lot has already been said about the idea that women are generally less likely to initially try something for fear of judgment and failure than men. And to combat this, I really believe the key to change is more visible female producers. This is something I've seen changing in recent years. There are now more women and gender minority musicians representing themselves as music producers in the public space. I am seeing how younger female artists are finding it more natural to also adopt the term as a result. Seeing other women in these spaces owning these roles is definitely having an impact, but we're really only at the very beginning of this equating to a meaningful rebalance in the industry. I believe something that will further help women to identify with the role of music producer is by allowing it to be more expanded and malleable, much like that of other creative roles. So one of the most high-profile and respected music producers of all time, Brian Eno, has some useful and less confined perspectives on the term music producer. Eno found a niche in ambient music, a term he popularised and is defined by experimental and unstructured musical soundscapes. This interest in ambient music was infused throughout his more conventional works, most prominently as droning guitars and strange reverbs featured on David Bowie's Heroes and U2's With or Without You. Eno definitely appears to have a very specific relationship with the term music producer, and this may be in part due to his background being originally in the visual arts. Eno has famously described himself as non-musical and in the early stages of his career viewed himself more as a conceptual artist than a music producer. When he was a student, Eno was influenced by John Cage and Karlheinz Stockhausen and experimented with electronic music, but has said that he approached these projects more as sound art rather than music. He also doesn't refer to himself as playing instruments, but rather used instruments to create soundscapes and drones as opposed to conventional melody lines. So what does this mean for female musicians who are making, recording and producing music, but still don't feel deserving of the title music producer? Well, maybe that's even you, dear listener. And if there's one thing I want you to take from today's episode, it's this. Music production is on the one hand about making a recording come together towards a specific vision and an overview that serves the work. Beyond that, it can mean many different things depending on the type of music you make, the way you like to work, your recording setup and access to resources and collaborators. There is no one type of music producer and there's no magic goalpost you'll cross that will finally help you know it's time to call yourself a music producer. In effect, you become a music producer when you call yourself a music producer. But something I know to be incredibly powerful 
is also having access to resources, space and communities that specifically cater to women and the female experience of recording and production. This is key because not only do you feel less like the odd one out in recording and producing music, but you also have the chance to learn in ways that might be more aligned to your experience as a woman too. It's all well and good waking up tomorrow and calling yourself a music producer, but unless you feel like you're part of something bigger than yourself, it can be hard to keep the faith over the long haul. So if you've struggled to adopt the term music producer, you may find it helpful to engage with resources that were designed specifically for female musicians. This can range from specifically designed music production courses like my own programme, Home Recording Academy, but it can also be websites you can reference from time to time, such as soundgirls.org. There are also many initiatives and workshops set up around the UK specifically for female musicians, such as the Women Are Mint Music Festival in Newcastle and Yorkshire Sound Women Network. It can also help to interact with other female music producers online, and there are different Facebook groups designed for this purpose, such as 2% Rising. And you should definitely look out for episode 62 of the podcast, where I'll be chatting with producer and co-founder of 2% Rising, Jenny Paul Craig, about this amazing space. And of course, there's always the Girls Twiddling Knobs podcast community, filled with nearly one and a half thousand other female musicians, including myself, growing and developing their skills in recording and production too. I guarantee these female-focused spaces will gradually start to change your whole frame of reference for when and if you can call yourself a music producer and much, much more. So that's our episode all wrapped up, Knob Twiddlers. I hope everything we've covered today has helped either reframe the term music producer if you've been struggling to comfortably own it yourself, or that the idea of what a producer is and does has at the very least been expanded in helpful ways that will further support how you show up with music technology. Remember, a music producer is not the same thing as an engineer. Producers have never traditionally done all the nitty-gritty technical detail when it comes to recording music. But as technology has become more affordable and intuitive, these roles have blurred in certain contexts for certain people. However, you absolutely don't need to know every technical aspect or do it all yourself to call yourself a producer. And if you know this is something that stopped you properly stepping up and owning the role you've been playing in music for a while now, you are not alone. Lots of women have struggled with this and it's definitely a flaw in the system, not you. Just like the legend Brian Eno, you can define what being a music producer means for you. That could mean being an artist who paints with sound or something else entirely. Once you own that, you won't be so tempted to make arbitrary comparisons with other people. And lastly, find those spaces that are set up for female musicians to succeed in production, like this podcast and all the other spaces and resources I've mentioned today. They're all linked in the show notes. And if you feel like you're in need of some supercharged female music production energy to guide you on your way after today's episode, definitely check out my free quiz, Discover Your Female Producer Spirit Guide. Just head to femalediymusician.com forward slash spirit guide or click the link in the show notes to be matched with your very own knob twiddling sister from another mister. That's femalediymusician.com forward slash spirit guide. And once you've answered a few short specific questions, you'll receive a free production toolkit inspired by the music producer you've been matched with. 
Now, next week on the podcast, I'm joined by another fabulous guest, Nigerian-English producer Melissa U. Parker. Based in London, Melissa is the programme leader of the Institute of Contemporary Music Performances, MA in Creative Music Production, and has also taught at Guildhall School of Music and also for Ableton too. Melissa has been making music for over 15 years and has collaborated with the likes of Matthew Herbert, Ray and Christian and producers under the moniker Mjiri. I can't wait to share our discussion about Melissa's work and much, much more next week here on the podcast. But till then, take care and I'll catch you here soon. Girls Twiddling Knobs is hosted and produced by me, Isabel Anderson, with production support from Jade Bailey. The show notes are compiled by Francesca O'Connor, and this is a female DIY musician production. So, how do you like that episode, dear listener? If you loved it, And you know someone else who would love it too. Be a good friend and share it with them. Go on, spread the girls' twiddling knobs love.